So then, so then here's my question. Before we started the show, you guys had accused me. I don't want to use the word accused, but you'd accused me of being a what? A young creationist? Young earth creationist. A young earth creationist. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that the earth is only 6,000 years old and that, you know, God created it in literally seven days. So oh. that would be um, 168 hours. Okay, so what's your beef with that? So one num number one, um, well, time didn't exist before the Earth was created because time is dependent on the Earth going around the sun in 24 hour periods. So like the light was created, you know, okay. the second day. So it's just kind of nonsensical that way. Okay. And then the other thing is there's, there's lots of scientific evidence that the earth is older than just 6,000 years old. Okay. Interesting. Brad, and what about you? I, I admit that you could be a strong enough is the word uh, anti-uniformitarian. Mm -hmm. Uh the kind of person who believes that just because things are the way that they are now doesn't mean they've always been that way, right? Okay. So even though time passes a certain way and rocks erode in a certain way, that's not necessarily a reliable pattern. So we could say maybe in the past things eroded differently so we can't reliably guess the age of the earth based on this. I've, that's the argument that I've seen for people who are justifying the earth is not as old as people say it is. Um I could see that maybe being a viable theory. You could, th there's some ways you could swing it. Um, but it was a Jonathan Streeter comment on what you had said earlier in our last episode, where you said something that sounded like um, people are saying the earth is a certain age and it's really not. So it made it sound like you were saying the earth is only really 6,000 years old. Here's something crazy like, for an omnipotent God, like if Christians believe that God can do anything, then God could go back in time 4.6 billion years ago and created the earth in seven day period and then just let it go. And then we're just now sitting on earth that's 4.6 billion years old. Okay, mm -hmm. well, I did quote, there's a really, really interesting video that gets totally panned on Rotten Tomatoes because everything good and truthful, like Dave Chappelle, gets uh, you know panned on Rotten Tomatoes as being politically incorrect, even though uh -huh. the audience score is like 99.9. .9. All of the critics are like, I don't dare risk my career by giving this a good score. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like zero by the critics, 100% according to the audience. So one of those videos is actually a really interesting video that you can watch for free on YouTube called Is Genesis History? And it's obviously made by a Christian pastor who's interviewing a bunch of other Christian scientists, though, who bring up some amazing points that debunk a lot of the third rails of thought in the scientific community. And anybody that, that, that is familiar with the scientific community knows that it, it is best only like one half step above sophomores sitting at the lunch table at high school when it comes to, you know, whether or not they actually objectively view things or whether they emotionally view things and have their cliques and their clubs and their ways of doing things that make them an in and an out crowd. So, I mean, I have a cautious respect of the scientific community and the ideas that they come up with. Um, so what, what would appear to be a uniform fashion, but, but this is my deal. Much like you said, Dan, if you actually read the Bible, 
says it was created in seven days, right? But the sun wasn't created until the end of the second day. And if we have a solar calendar with which we measure 365 days, with what metric could we measure the days on the first day? How long was the first day? And how long was the first three quarters of the second day? Well, we don't know, right? And and I mean, we're using days because that's what it uses in Genesis. But in the book of Abraham, it uses creative periods, you know? Yeah, in the book like of Abraham, it uses periods and also the original Hebrew text. Some people say, no, it is the word for day. Other people say it was used more like periods back when the uh, the original Hebrew was written. So so there's all kinds of rubber clauses in there, right? So there's that. I, I look at that and I think, okay, well, maybe the fundamentalists among us and, and the Puritans among us saying, oh, seven days as in seven times 24 hours. Okay, maybe they're, quote, wrong. But I also say this in the beginning of his Genesis history, the opening is savage. The guy gets up and, and all spoiler alert. Okay. You need to go watch this even when I, cause I'm not going to do it any, any justice, but it's still amazing. This old boomer guy gets up in his little kind of like, I'm going hiking garb and things like that. And he's in this beautiful Valley with this little Creek running behind him and these tall vaulted walls that have been cut out by this Creek. And he says, man, when I was a kid, I used to love come out hiking here in nature. Look at this Creek, how it's carved these beautiful vaulted walls over millions and millions of years. And we're blessed to be part of this natural beauty that took billions of years to create and so on and so forth. Oh, wait. No, it didn't take billions of years. It took 20 minutes on December 10th, 1978, when Mount St. Helens blew and a mud flow cut this river canyon in 20 minutes and made this creek out of nothing. And it looks like almost exactly like the Grand Canyon. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So... I'm not saying one movie on YouTube once completely changed my mind, but the older I get and the more I'm engaged in science, the same science that proved that cigarettes didn't cause emphysema for 20 years, the same science, you know, that said 95 masks can filter out particles for two and a half years and you'd stop the zombie apocalypse if you sat alone in your car with a surgical mask on you know what i'm saying all of this science is freaking garbage it's nothing but the arrogance of man put on steroids and these false priests of baal are so fallible that you know maybe we maybe we should be taking the wisdom of the ancients into more deeper consideration and maybe these men that had visions actually saw more than all of our arrogance of man combined over the past 50 years since we've developed the Big Bang Theory. But Cardin, our science is trademarked. Didn't you see the TM symbol? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, and by the way, Cardin, so I, I just looked it up real quick. Um, so uniformitarianism is the idea that the present is the key to the past. So the way things that we see in our own lifetimes happen is how things have always happened throughout all of history. Right. Okay. Where the uh, opposing theory to that is catastrophism, um, which is more in the lines of like, we know that doesn't mean that everything has always been this way. Just because in our several hundred or several thousand years of recorded history, we have things this way. It doesn't mean that it was that way before. You know, right? I'm a catastrophist. Yeah, and um, that's what I was going to say. You sound like a catastrophist. Not only just because that seems to make enough sense that I'm okay putting my name next to it. But just the name is cooler. 
Like, would you rather be a uniformitarian and sound kind of like you're a lemming that just goes along with other people? Or would you rather walk into a room and just say, what's up, guys? I'm a catastrophist. You know I'm saying? You're like the chaos theory guy now. You're like, yeah, yeah. I'm in the chaos theory. Seriously, every single history of the world over talks about catastrophes in some way or another, like even in our lifetimes. Like, there was a big tsunami disaster that killed a quarter of a million people, like in Indonesia, other parts of, like, around the Indian Ocean. It's something that happens every few years or something crazy. Like, in Joseph Smith's lifetime, there was a volcano that exploded in Indonesia that was probably 100 times bigger than Mount St. Helens and caused it so that there was actually no summer in 1816. So... There was that great solar flare in the the 20s where there was the aurora borealis as far as Cuba. You know, yeah, yeah. In fact, one of my favorite poets, oh, great Cuban poet. I can't remember his name. I was going to say Isabel Allende, and I was like, no, that's a female poet. Um, And it's not Jorge Luis Borges. There's all of these, um, not Jose Martin. There's all of these radio stations in Cuba named after him. I can't remember his name. I'll have to look it up. But um, yeah, in his lifetime, there was a solar flare so large that at night you could see the aurora borealis in Cuba. That's how intense it was. And there was like power outages like in Florida and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, it was nuts. Like New York had a power outage because of a solar flare. Like back when DC current was new and like Thomas Edison was the talk of the town. So, um, yeah, like these these catastrophes happen. And just because they don't happen yesterday and we're so short. uh, As you're talking about that, the solar flares, uh, can you think of a better way to say that the earth would be bathed in fire? through a solar flare well nuclear fallout eh, you know <laughs> nuclear ash falling down fire. there's I a very see. so there's a very interesting event that happened i think 1908 that happened over russia so some people think that a comet exploded but there was some big blast that happened siberia like a thousand miles away from anyone but up in the night like you know, people could see like this big flare and they found essentially like this impact for like over a thousand miles or some crazy amount of area or space. Like all the trees were like, you know, pushed over, like burned, like they're just gone. The Tunguska event. Yeah. Yeah. A 12 megaton explosion. Yeah. What the freak was that? Was it a 12 megaton explosion or was it the small river that was cutting its way year after year over the rocks? I mean, I've seen some compelling arguments, even just out of the Grand Canyon itself. I love the Grand Canyon. The best place to go and go in February when nobody's there and you can just drive around the rim of the Grand Canyon without having to wait for the buses. And there's some really interesting tours that are done privately, not by the Park Service, but private tours. And... uh One of them, actually, it's really interesting, made it onto Joe Rogan, one of the scientists that had an alternate theory. And he said, you want to know what? You know, if we know over 50 million years that the Colorado River cut the Grand Canyon, then, you know, dividing that down into its increments within 100 years, if the Grand Canyon is two miles deep, well, it should have gone at least like a half an inch, right? In our hundred years, because that's our little slice of time, they haven't been able to actually make any of those measurements and actually prove what cut the Grand Canyon. And the more Mm -hmm. I learn about these psycho solar flares and the more I Mm -hmm. learn about these 
the the Siberian. I can't remember how to pronounce it, but there's a great horror podcast that's made off of that event. You know, the more I hear about the the solar flares, the the, the cosmic explosions, the Mount St. Helens disasters, the more I think I'm a catastrophist. You know, and and, and maybe this is closer so, to seven days than seventy billion years. You know, so here's here's the deal, Card. Uh, catastrophism is almost like inextricably linked with young earth creationism. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why when you're like, I'm a catastrophist, I'm like, people are going to be like, oh, he is 100% a young earth creationist. But But I think you're, you're using it in a looser way than what catastrophism actually is. This is how I'm, this is how I'm, I'm using it. To me, the beginning of the world is very similar to the end of the world. And you have two ways of looking at it. Is it this set point in time in which God knows that on December 31st at midnight of 2092, the second coming is going to happen? And no matter what we do and how we act, on December 31st of that day, at that time, at that year, the second coming starts. It's either like that or if you read the scriptures you kind of get this loose idea from a a simple read through the Book of Mormon or the Bible once that the pride cycle is real. And some people accept God and they live for long periods of time in his light, with his glory, righteously. And they kind of postpone the second coming for a while. But then there's those groups that just don't follow any laws, don't do anything well, and they suck and they speed up the coming of the Lord through their iniquity. And so you kind of feel like the second coming is this thing that will happen when it has to happen. And I I do think that's part of why no man knows the day or the hour, right? Is because it's not necessarily set. Exactly. So so yeah. to me, it's like, okay, if you have the people over here that are saying hard and fast seven days, I look at that and I think that's an incomplete theory because the metric with which we even measured the days itself um, didn't exist until the second day. So with what was the first day measured? And then also, technically, if you're talking about a fifth dimensional being capable of manipulating four dimensions with four of them being time, you're talking about a being that is greater than time itself. And if he can manipulate time itself, uh, now now any questions relating to time are completely off the table from yeah. our fourth dimensional minds. So why even try? Here's a, here's a crazy idea that relates to time. So okay. if God is all powerful, then if he can manipulate time, then there could be multiple different timelines where it doesn't matter when the second coming could be it could be in different times depending on what's happening to us maybe it's always going to be just beyond our lifetime maybe for the people living in you know the 1800s it was supposed to be you know already in our timeline already in the past maybe it was supposed to be in 2000 for people living 100 years ago but we're not living in that world we're not living in that reality maybe it's shifted so did you just take us into the multiverse? Yes. <laughs> that stupid multiverse again. Well, Dude, the only problem awesome. with the multiverse is that there's so much legitimacy into it when you get into when you get into theoretical physics. And we're starting to prove more and more of theoretical physics so much so that I don't like calling it theoretical physics, just like I don't like calling things conspiracy theories because Jeffrey Epstein was a conspiracy theory until it was completely 100% true. People even thought the theory of relativity was art 
not science until we actually took atomic clocks and put them on airplanes traveling different speeds around the world. And when we matched them up later, they were as much as a half second off. So, I mean, we keep proving our conspiracy theories so much that I don't like calling conspiracy theories conspiracies and theoretical science theoretical anymore. Yeah. So I, I am really intrigued by what Dan just said, though, that with time not being the same for God as it is for us, that the second coming could have already happened for other people. Well, and that's kind of the basis of Schrodinger's cat. The idea that light and our observation of things manipulates them to enough of a degree that there's room, at least in the theoretical sciences, there's room for the concepts of multiple realities happening instantaneously, simultaneously, and in an infinite degree, almost to a point, actually not even almost, but to a point where every individual has their own reality. Which is like chaos oh, embodied, you know what I'm saying? But would make sense if you were tasked with believing in an omnipotent and omnipresent God, keenly aware of the struggles in your life and individually uh, tailoring his spirit and his love for you while simultaneously being present and aware and equally in love and father to all of his children and their unique struggles. Exactly, Whoa. Cardin. Like, there's a question, can God create a test that is specific and individualized for all of his children? Is it all the same one or is it something that changes for each of us? Is my reality the same reality as your reality? And then we get into questions of, oh, am I just being solipsistic? Am I just going crazy or is there actually objective reality? Truth? Is there actually objective reality or is it just something that is tailor made that God made for me? So right now all the social justice warriors are like, yeah, you speak your truth. Yeah, I'll speak mine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so how oh old is God. the earth then, man? Still, still so you guys lampooned me like we'll just come full circle here. Apparently I got tagged as a what? A young earth creationist. Uh huh. And I and said, then no. you labeled yourself a catastrophist. So I guess, <laughs> dude, it, it, that's the coolest of all the titles you've given me so far. And that is paramount. It is a cool one. It is a cool one. How, so I'm a catastrophist, but um, catastrophist doesn't necessarily mean young earth creationist. I actually think it's both simultaneously if you're God, because you're operating outside of the bounds of time and have control over it. Therefore, you can be a catastrophist and an old. What's what's the opposite of a young earth creationist? What are you, Dan? Old earth creationist. Okay, so then how do old earth creationists deal with the first chapter of the Bible? Uh, easy. The days are just creative times, you know? We, we have no idea how long those are, right? So, so often day, even in English or in older forms of English, we sometimes refer to day as like a tide, like even tide, like abide with me to even tide. Or back or in the day. Tide, back in the day. So a tide literally refers to like the wave. It literally refers to a cycle. So a day might just be referring to a cycle or what Joe Smith referred to as one eternal round. Whoa. Wait, so do you think an eternal round 
has a specific time and is consistent and is cyclical? Or is it just a measurement like, oh, adolescence lasts three years, adulthood lasts 40, infancy lasts five? Do you think it's like that? Or do you think it's like seven years is an eternal round for- uh, I think it can be both, but it, it possibly could change. I actually don't know. Whoa. But it could be something that's very consistent. Like, for example, um, people who are into people that are into astrology believe in something called Great Year. It's not literally 365 days, but it's this time period where you have the 12 different astrological ages, and it occurs over 25,900 years. Okay, well, that, hold on a second. If you're an old Earth creationist, okay, so hold on. I get with young earth creationism, there's a lot that you got to deal with and a lot of hard science, such as a uh, redshift in the planets that, mm -hmm. that you just have to deal with. Redshift in the color of the planets as we observe them indicates that they are traveling away from us at an extremely high rate of speed that is the basis for the Big Bang Theory. And they've been doing it for a long time. They've been doing it since the time of Galileo. And if you calculate the red, uh, the, the, the red shift, it means these planets are now 50 million light years away further in our day than they were in Galileo's day. They ain't coming back. Okay? So um, young Earth creationists have to deal with some hard, settled science such as the redshift, all right? What do old Earth creationists have to deal with? Like atheism. Well, you're starting <laughs> to get into you're starting to get into like the end of Planet of the Apes, where Charlton Heston is walking along the beach, and then he realizes when he sees the ruins of the Statue of Liberty, you know what I'm saying? That oh, he never made it to a foreign planet. He just made it to America years after the cataclysmic events had all just turned us into a race of apes, right? So where are all the other civilizations? Where's all of the evidence of all of the other stuff that existed before us? That's where the catastrophes come in, Carden. But no catastrophe <laughs> is so good that it like covers up Atlantis. You know, yes, I mean, there's many. Let me. So there's many ways that you could cover up Atlantis. What mudslide could we not find something underneath with a metal detector? You know, <laughs> like I mean, come on. So to be honest, there's many parts of the Earth that have not really been detected at all for archaeological evidence, digs, yeah, stuff like we, that. We like, drastically we overestimate the amount of Earth that we've like actually studied well yeah we haven't studied siberia we haven't studied the sahara we haven't studied the amazon we haven't studied the earth's oceans honestly most of the earth we don't really know much about we overestimate our expertise in it they're honest. finding sunken cities all the time and even lidar finding things under the, uh, well, the well lidar canvas. is finding out that the mayan civilization we already knew about and we already saw the pyramids for was much more expansive than we realized and i i I, too, believe that a lot of the anti-Mormon criticisms of some of the Central American theories of Book of Mormon geography are rooted wholly and completely in tribalism and the arrogance of man. At the same time, I believe the areas off the coasts of the shore of most of our civilized nations are far more well-known, mapped, and understood for me to and think— plundered. Yeah, and plundered for me to think that some giant 
civilization that supposedly slid into the ocean, meaning that it was on the shore and then slid in. So it it should be within that, you know, quarter mile to, to one-eighth of a mile that we know pretty well off of every inch of Rome, Italy, Spain. Now you, know. you sound like a uniformitarian, Cardin. Yeah, you do. So here's here's something that science <laughs> accepts, as in science TM accepts, Okay, is that oh. the Earth's sea levels used to be 400 feet lower than they currently are. That seems a little bit exaggerated for me. I mean, it's not. It's not. The science TM accepts that during the last ice age, sea levels were 400 feet lower. Well, we know ah, that cavemen because all of the all of the stuff was locked up in the ice. All the water was correct. Okay. Well, because we know that it was during the ice age when all the water was locked up in the ice that those who made those beautiful cave paintings in Spain, to which Pablo Picasso himself said, "We have learned nothing." I'm no, sorry, in France. Uh, come on, what are those cave paintings in France that are called? They're really famous. There's Bosco the one. cave paintings, I think. What are they called? There's some in, in, I think they're called like Lan Lascar or something, ancient French cave paintings. Yeah, some of the oldest art made ancient by man. Ancient in France. Lascaux. Lascaux cave paintings. Yes. Okay, so the Lascaux cave paintings. All right. When do those date to? I think 37,000 BC. Sometime around then, tens of thousands of years. 15,000 to 17,000 years old. Okay, so 15,000 to 17,000 years old, they say. Okay, well, off by two or three or whatever. I mean, that's, some people put the Sphinx out to 10,000 years old, you know? So we know that those, those caves had to be accessible in the time period where they were painted for those cavemen to pull that off. And I mean, how else would the ocean have gotten in there, right? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know how far down are those. Are those 400 feet, Dan? Well, we haven't been able to check. You know, most of the ocean surface has not been explored. Okay, true that. Okay, cool. All right, so do we have any idea how old the Earth is? If us young Earth creationists are wrong, what do the old Earth creationists say? It's 4.5 billion years old. Okay, but based off of what and what's the margin of error? And where's the evidence of Atlantis if it was here before us? Great question. So we accept 4.6 billion years old because that's how old the moon is. Um, that's how old our oldest rocks are. And it's the assumption that the sun is 5 billion years old based off of astrophysics. So here's a question. Should I let Kwaku in on this conversation at the end to opine on where is Atlantis? Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because I then it saves me from having to pull out all the Graham Hancock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my opinion is that Atlantis was in a lot of places, but the Atlantis City, in my opinion, most likely what is in what is now the um, probably Mauritania. Okay. In Mauritania. So oh, with the Rakat structure. Yeah, the, the the eye of the Sahara. Yeah, I like the eye of the Sahara. Okay, because so later described as like these concentric circles where there is water in between them. All right, so Kwaku, we're actually recording right now still, and you're jumping in right in the middle of a conversation. They called me a All young right. Earth creationist 
to which I said, I don't think I'm a young earth creationist because I don't think the metric of time to measure those seven days was available in the first two days. So how could you say it was seven? At the same time, I'm liking the term catastrophist, A, because it sounds super cool, but B, because it lampoons the um, arrogance of man and allows for catastrophic events to uh, do more in a minute than a little river does in a millennia. Um, and we're arguing over the age of the earth. So if young earth creationists got baggage they got to deal with, such as redshift and um, geological data suggesting billions of years, what do old earth creationists have to deal with and 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 how do they deal with it? Are you a young earther or an old earther? Kwaku. Um, I, uh... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and where's Atlantis? Because if you're an old earther, you have to believe in all these old civilizations, and we got no evidence of Atlantis. So, so where is it? No, ev no evidence. Okay, so those are two packed questions. First, I'll try <laughs> to make it really quick. Um, I am an extreme old earth creationist. And when I say that, I, I out-old earth the oldest earth creationist because we have forgotten how many ancient cultures believed that there is a difference between the earth and the world. And the periods of the world uh, have existed on our earth for a very long time. So one example of that is when you realize um, after God curses Cain for murdering Abel, um, his twin brother, you know, because, you know, his fully human twin brother, he's like, you know, half snake. Yeah, um, oh his, his brother, uh, what you find is he's very fearful to be cast out um, because he's afraid of being killed. He's afraid of being persecuted for, you know, his sins. Um, but it's a bit confusing because the mainstream Christian narrative is that the only people on Earth at that time was Adam's little tribe. But he's cast out. He goes and makes another city and he's afraid of being persecuted by the other people on Earth. So there's already other people on Earth when Adam and Eve are put here. And so he makes you question and go, well, what, what on earth? Why? Why are there other people here? How does that happen? Homo habilis! And then, you, <laughs> and then you get into this. You get into the fact that if we know that Denisovans um, were contemporary with Homo sapiens. We know that there are other humanoid type people that existed, other mm. races. When I say race, I don't mean a Chinese guy and an Indian guy. I mean races of human beings, other types of humans that existed. And you have to ask, well, who were these people? They were, to be, to be frank, they were ugly, ape-like people. And they didn't look fully developed like Adam did. So where did these people come from? Why were they alive for thousands of years, perhaps even before we were around? Well, if you take it in the way that our world may be 7,000, 8,000 years old, but our earth isn't, you start to understand that there were remnants of a destroyed world that still existed on the earth as our new world began. And so we forget to separate those two. We had monsters. We had disgusting Dagon type things walking around. We had freaks of nature that were remnants of an old destroyed world. And by the way, when our world ends, you think those freaking man cows in the Japanese and Chinese labs are gonna be trucking around for the new Adam and Eve when they get here and they're gonna be like, what on earth? Get rid of these guys, get rid of them. 
that's what's going to be uh, hanging around, I think. So I'm an old, old, old earther. I think our world is going to go through many phases. Um, but um, Before uh, it's restored to its yeah. paradisical glory? Yeah, the paradisical glory is going to come when the earth is like, okay, it has gone through its... Uh, <laughs> I, I think the earth is going to go through seven worlds. And I think we're actually in the seventh world that'll be on earth. Um, and uh, that gets into a whole fringe thing about, you know, how you got to become a savior, then you're going to God, the Holy Spirit. And I think that's actually happened multiple times already. Um, so now, yeah, I think we're on the seventh. And I think when this ends, we probably won't have the main cows for the next. I think this earth will literally become paradise or it will become a barren wasteland like the other planets, um, you know, who did not keep their uh, first estate, like the Doctrine and Covenant says, in our barren punished wasteland. So anyway, that's a long way to jump on this. But I got my water here. I'm ready. Uh- <laughs> Okay. To answer a lot of your questions, are brought. I want. I really want to bring this up, Quaker, because there is idea that I have is that we could split, like literally, like these timeline splits or these dimensional splits, where there is part of the Earth that, like, eventually just becomes like a dead planet, like Mars or other dead planets, and it just dies off. But then there is part. Some other people are going to be living in another reality or another dimension where it becomes paradisiacal where it rises up and it becomes terrestrial and then eventually becomes celestial, where maybe the future of the earth, it depends on, you know, the state or the reality that we're currently living in as human beings, depending on the light and knowledge that we have, depending on our own personal righteousness. Okay. So then we'll just end this one before we go on to our next podcast here. Uh, How old do you think the earth is then? Dan, how old do you think it is? Billions of years old. Oh, come on, commit to something. 4.5? Well, yeah, 4.5. 4.5, are you with him? Are you with him, Brad? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, Quaker, no, what I'm- are you at, like 10? Quaker's like, I'm an old, old earther. What are you saying, like 10 billion? What? Well, the issue with that question in general is I feel like it, it, it assumes um, that... 90% of what the academics are saying isn't bullshit. Like, it like assumes <laughs> that they're telling the truth and we can trust their nebulous professors and data. When we, like, like I'm sorry, that the Earth, like, part of China might have been the first block that was there before the other parts started to be added onto it. Like, it's not all one thing. Like, it's not fully, I think parts of the Earth are older than other parts of the earth so is that you know, a long-winded so, way of saying 30 billion or <laughs> i'm i'm not sure i would probably say older than 10 billion but i think there are parts of the earth that are probably not you know parts of the earth are actually newer uh than the other parts of the earth because it was it it, it came about through a form of of evolution it, it was terrestrial evolution it didn't all just boom now it's a fully formed globe <laughs> But it came by um, like a parts here and parts here and parts here. And so the parts here are older and perhaps the parts here. And or, the parts yeah. inside are the oldest. So you're using the bake a cake analogy that the flour might be three weeks old, the eggs might be two days old, and the water yeah, might exactly. be 100 years old. Okay, fine. I'm going to split and the difference do you here. leave? Oh, sorry. No, no, finish, Brad. I interrupt you, you too often. Go for it. Oh, it's all good. Uh, do you leave room for the idea of the matter that was used in the creation of the earth being older than the earth itself and possibly being residue from other planets and things like that. Uh, yes. I think it's a combination of, um, uh, 
uh, residue from other planets, which where I think you get some of the dinosaurs from. And then I also think um, there it is. I think uh, <laughs> uh, some of it's just destroyed uh, people from outer darkness. They become so there completely is annihilated. Point. There is a poem from Eliza R. Snow that talks about this exact phenomenon. You bring this up at the end? Yes, yes. At the end? Okay, what? Hit it. She literally had um, 208, one of her poems called Address to Earth. Thou earth was once a glorious sphere of noble magnitude that did from majesty appear among the worlds of God. But thy dimensions have been torn asunder piece by piece, and each dismembered fragment born abroad to distant space. When Enoch could no longer stay amid corruption here, part of thyself was born away to form another sphere. That portion where a city stood, he gained by right approved, and near to the throne of God, his planet upward moved. And when the Lord saw fit to hide the ten lost tribes away, thou wast abide to provide the orb on which they stayed. The curse of God of man was placed, that curse thou didst partake, and thou hast been by turns disgraced and honored for his sake. So Eliza so, R. Snows with Quaku in the in, yes, in the yes. old 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 Earth Creationist yes, Club. She is. Dang. Okay. Well, now I feel stupid for what I was about to say. But had I not heard the Eliza R. Snow poem, I was about going to say I'm going to split the difference here. I'm not going with 4.6 billion years old because science TM are the same idiots that said cigarettes didn't cause emphysema for 20 years. You know Uh, what I'm saying? They're the same boneheads that convinced us surgical masks would stop the zombie apocalypse. And there were the people that were testing syphilis placebo pills on my fellow citizens here in America of a different skin color for absolutely racist reasons. So I'm not going to throw a bone to science TM and say I believe them, but... I think they'll be really embarrassed if I don't give them at least a billion years. So I'm not giving them the 4.6 that they want, but I'm not ready to hang out with all of the uh, Calvinists in the Young Earth Creationist <laughs> Club because they're a bunch of anti-Mormon jerks anyway. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving a discount deal, you know, yeah. and just saying one billion years old catastrophism. That's the name of my theory. All right. Okay, on to the next podcast. This is Midnight Mormons. See you in the next podcast.